0: This is Oncology Republic, I'm Felicity Nelson. In early February, cancer researchers and oncologists were once again gathered in the seaside town of Lorne on the Great Ocean Road of Victoria to discuss developments in immune oncology, GI cancer, cancer cell biology, stem cells, genomics and cancer cell signalling. After a very disruptive 2020, it was nice to have some experts together in the same room again. The Law and Cancer Conference was co-convened by Professor Mark Shackleton, the Director of Oncology at Alfred Health, and a Professor of Oncology in the Department of Medicine at Monash University. Professor Shackleton, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks very much, Felicity.
0: The Lawn Cancer Conference is one of the conferences that I know a lot of researchers look forward to. It's obviously a beautiful location in Victoria on the Great Ocean Road. And earlier in February, you managed to get together in person to talk about some of the interesting research that's coming through the pipeline. Do you want to talk me through a little bit about how you went about setting this up? What were some of the COVID concerns that were cropping up? What was it like sort of coming back together in person after all the disruptions last year?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So the Law and Cancer Conference is really an iconic event in the Australian medical research calendar. It's been running for over 30 years. Uh, always attracts really top-notch speakers from around the country and particularly from around the world. I mean, it's you know kind of known as the place where you can go and end up standing next to the bar with a Nobel laureate um, and uh, you know, talking, uh, talking about science. So... It's, um, uh, it's, it's, it's really a great event and, uh, and has its main focus around sort of basic and translational cancer sciences, although increasingly is including talks from clinician researchers uh, and even the presentation of clinical trial data. So it's really a, a kind of a smorgasbord feast uh, for those of us who are interested in um, cancer uh, and the outcomes of patients and the developments in science that are coming up through the pipeline. The planning of the twenty twenty one meeting was chaotic, shall we say? Obviously, very affected by the events of the uh, COVID outbreak in uh, twenty twenty across the world. Uh, and um, in fact, we we're actually lucky to get through the twenty twenty conference. It was only a, only re- relatively shortly after that uh, after the twenty twenty conference. That in fact the pandemic the pandemic really hit, and you know we went into different phases of lockdown and particularly had very a lot of restrictions with respect to our ability to get overseas visitors here so right through 2020 we had a real kind of um sort of up and down period of you know planning a full virtual meeting to then planning a hybrid virtual and face to face meeting, and you know occasionally we were still optimistic about being able to have a full face-to-face meeting, but we ended up having a uh, basically a hybrid meeting, uh, wherein we had some registrants that were physically present, uh, about 140, I think, in total. We had uh, well in excess of 200 additional registrants that were uh, participating virtually, uh, and used a very cool and easy to use uh, online platform. Uh, that uh, enabled the sessions to go ahead uh, using that. So we essentially had, you know, registrants and viewers uh, that were either face to face or virtual, but it also went back the other way. We were also able to have speakers that were either that, that, they, that they either talked face to face or they talked live virtually um, or they took or they talked virtually via pre recorded presentations. Uh, and they even and, and then they included uh, the potential for live engagement. So, you know, our first speaker, you know, dialed in from the east coast of the US, uh, gave a pre-recorded talk, um, but then was able to answer questions live uh, of the audience, uh, which was uh, which was which was really cool. And It was amazing how quickly the whole group really settled into that to that rhythm uh, and made for a very interesting and enjoyable meeting.
0: And the conference happened right smack bang in the middle of that Victorian lockdown. Um, do you want to tell me a little bit about that experience?
1: Yeah, it was pretty, pretty crazy. So you know, having put all this uh, effort and time into developing a hybrid meeting format uh, and having about 140 people uh, physically present at the meeting, which was you know, great to physically interact with people after so long. Uh, it got pretty crazy there because on the so the meeting goes from Thursday through to Saturday and we were halfway through the Friday program um, and as the convener I was you know conscious that uh, that there was going to be an announcement by the premier potentially to put the state back into lockdown which of course then literally happened uh, just at the end of the last session of the friday on on, on the Friday morning uh, and so I had to Get up and announce that the meeting was going to switch to uh, fully virtual, which was that which was our contingency plan. But we had to very rapidly enact that, so we we basically cancelled the Friday afternoon program and then and then transferred the vast vast majority of those talks onto the Saturday uh, and spent the rest of the afternoon on Friday uh, rapidly as quickly as possible trying to evacuate. 140 face to face registrants that were present in Lawn. It was particularly dramatic for the interstate visitors because they had to get back across the border uh, either via plane or many, in fact, drove uh, before midnight. Uh, So, you know, so there were, you know, particularly registrants from South Australia as well as New South Wales that I was sort of last seen hurtling towards the border (laughs) trying to get into the queue to get across. Before midnight, but thankfully uh, they all they all made it. Uh, the meeting then relaunched uh, early on Saturday morning, uh, and we had a great uh, virtual. Uh, we, we had a great day of virtual talks to close out the meeting all of Saturday.
0: And what were some of your favourite sessions, and why were they so interesting?
1: Yeah, look, I think there were many really good sessions, uh, and it's almost a little hard to choose a favourite. I. I mean, you can't get away from immuno-oncology. Uh, so we essentially had the whole of Thursday. So the conference starts at lunchtime on Thursday and then finishes in the evening uh, on that day. And we had essentially the whole of Thursday devoted to talks around immuno-oncology. Uh, you know, we had a wonderful talk, uh, at the beginning from uh, Dmitry Garilevich, uh who dialed in from the east coast of the U.S., Uh, regarding the role of neutrophils in the regulation of cancer. Uh, But, you know, many other talks uh, during that afternoon, uh, including from some some very prominent local speakers, such as, you know, Fabian McKay and Fiona Simpson, uh, regarding various aspects of the regulation of cancers uh, by the immune system and the the ways in which that can be uh, exploited to therapeutic effect. So, I mean, I think the whole of Thursday... Uh certainly insofar as it highlighted a lot of the fantastic local work going on. Uh was uh I thought I thought that was a great session. Um I actually really enjoyed also the Friday morning session uh which was mainly around gastrointestinal cancers and we particularly had two outstanding international speakers dial and give dial in and give talks. Uh Dave Tuveson uh from Cold Spring Harbour. Uh, uh, as well as Mara Sherman, who both gave you know, really just outstanding talks on pancreas cancer, which is obviously one of the most difficult to treat cancers of all, and some, there's some seriously exciting uh, work coming through th- that field. Um, a, a personal highlight for me, I've got to say, was the Saturday morning session, uh, which included the Ashley Dunn narration uh, by Elan Fuchs, who's just a real legend of, you know, sort of STEM and cancer cell biology. Uh, and uh, and as, a, as our sort of main keynote speaker of the meeting, uh, I thought she was just extraordinary and you know, such an inspiration, an amazing career that she's had and still has. But um, uh, particularly on a personal note, because I've collaborated with Connie Eves uh, uh, directly uh, previously, it was it was such an honour having her uh, begin that session on the on the Saturday morning. So this is the cancer and stem cell session, just providing some I think, really really key insights into the way that we think about uh, cancer biology and and, and and the overlapping themes um, that have been drawn from discoveries in the stem cell biology field. So many, many highlights for me. It's a little hard to pick one over the other, um, but, but, but they were some that stood out.
0: And what were some of the themes and ideas that were raised at the conference that might be of interest to Australian oncologists?
1: Yeah, so I think for me there were probably two... Really important conceptual uh, themes in terms of where the field's going. So, you know, clearly that there were there were multiple talks that you know spoke to the critical importance of the interaction between cancer cells and cells in their immediate microenvironment, or the or, or the kind of stromal elements within tumours. Uh, uh, and that included uh, both interactions between immune cells in the stromal environment, but also, but also other types of stromal cells, um, you know, such as, such as subtypes of fibroblasts, etc. I mean, it's really obvious that the communication that exists between cells within tumors, both cancer cells, as well as non-cancer cells is, you know, very, very dynamic um, and can, and, and can you know, really serve to promote the growth of tumors, but, but, in the same sense, um, therefore, potentially be therapeutically exploitable. So kind of identifying the mechanisms through which, you know, cancer cells communicate with non-cancer cells within tumors, I think is such a critical area and and a real therapeutic opportunity for us. And there was some, you know, many, many fantastic talks uh, that were relevant uh, to that particular theme. For me, the other really exciting um, talk was one of the ones that had to be um, Postponed from Friday uh, onto the Saturday afternoon. And that was a talk um, by Uri Ben-David uh, from Israel uh, on the topic of aneuploidy. So aneuploidy refers to this, a state of um, so abnormal DNA content and in cancers is uh, well, basically results from uh, either, either amplifications or deletions um, of parts of a cancer cell's genome. And it is one of those, I think one of the great revelations of the sort of high throughput sequencing era and particularly the, the sort of latter, some of the latter papers um, that have come out of that work is on just how, just how ge- genomically deranged cancer cells can become as they develop and progress within patients, uh, you know, uh, acquiring you know degrees of you know, genomic amplification and, and, and deletion that we just really, you just never see in normal cells. Uh, so this, this sort of feature of aneuploidy is one that's really very, a really distinctive feature of many, many cancers and often associated um, with, uh, with changes in the biology of the disease as it progresses within patients. But because it's such a distinguishing feature of cancer cells, it actually immediately raises a therapeutic opportunity. If you could exploit the mechanisms through which cancer cells are able to acquire as well as tolerate uh, such... Uh, such kind of rampant degrees of genomic arrangement then it's 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 like at least a a, at least it's a potential therapeutic opportunity so Uri's talk was essentially exactly that so he he recently published a paper in Nature that that actually does identify um, a therapeutic um, uh, if you like Achilles heel present within cancer cells which relates to their to this phenomenon of acquisition of aneuploidy which characterizes so many different types of cancer cells so um, and essentially much of it was evolved around targeting mechanisms that regulate the g2m checkpoint of the cell cycle Uh, and uh, and i just thought it was a fantastic talk and a very kind of important conceptual advance uh, and and i think there's some real really exciting potential um, in in terms of drug therapy that's likely that's likely to come out of that discovery
0: Wow, that sounds really fascinating. And what were some of the Australian presenters at the conference talking about?
1: Yeah, well, there there were many. I mean, we had, well, we must have had at least 10 or so um, uh, sort of invited national speakers who've had, you know, recent, very prominent publications or 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 about to have them. Um, We also had... uh, must have been uh, at least a dozen or more uh, selected oral abstracts from from the abstracts presented, which were generally of just extraordinarily high quality. It was almost an impossible task for the committee to select those uh, that were presented for oral presentation. Um, So, you know, lots and lots of fantastic local work uh, coming through that really just underlines the strength of the Australian medical research uh, community, despite the relative lack of funding that it's received for um, many years now. Um, for, for me, you know, many of the, like I said in the, um, the Thursday session was such a highlight regarding uh, discoveries in immuno-oncology and that, you know, those sessions were really dominated by Australian presenters. I mean, Tom Tom Gebhardt from, um, from, from from Melbourne Uni presented some of his wonderful work around regulation of sort of early melanoma cell growth um, within the within the skin using some really, really innovative novels, uh, at some really innovative models and um, uh, uh, F- uh, Fabian McKay, uh, the director of um, uh, Q-I- QIMR Berghofer in Queensland, you know, gave an exceptional talk to close out the session on Thursday. I mean, she's really a you know, remarkable figure on the Australian uh, medical research uh, uh, landscape, and it was a real it was a real privilege to hear from her. Um, uh, Kate Sutherland uh, spoke on the Friday morning, uh, just before we shut down. Um, and uh, to to give a fantastic update on some of her really excellent discoveries uh, um, regarding non-small cell lung cancer. Uh, Anna Nowak as well, uh, dialed in from WA uh, to give us an update of the excellent work that she and her team are doing uh, around mesothelioma, which does remain one of the most difficult cancers to treat, Um, but, but some very exciting breakthroughs coming through the pipeline there, essentially integrating immunotherapy, uh, with, with 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 conventional cytotoxic chemotherapy, um, they were so yeah, and, and I think and the, the the other highlight was was another uh, series of talks on um, on Saturday, uh, particularly uh, work coming out of the Strasser uh, laboratory at the Wehi. Um, so Andreas uh, has you know, got a long standing history in understanding uh, understanding how mutant p fifty three, which is as you might be aware, the most commonly mutator gene in cancer. Um, uh, he's been had, had a long-standing interest in trying to understand uh, the the kind of role of mutant p fifty three in 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 cancer progression. Has you know got a lot of really stunning and impressive data regarding which really speaks to the likelihood that that, that mutant p fifty three is probably incredibly important for the initiation of cancer. But I think surprising to all of us, um, actually, not so important. Uh, for the maintenance of cancers once they're already established and up and running. But that's actually got really important implications for uh, therapy development um, uh, of, of agents that you know, seek to exploit P53, um, that, uh, uh, that, that seek to exploit mutations in the P53 tumour suppressor. So to me, that was, that was some sort of local local highlights. But yeah, lot, lots and lots of fantastic talks uh, from our local community.
0: And to wrap up, what other conferences are you looking at attending this year? Is there going to be any travel involved? Other in-person conferences?
1: Uh, look, it's hard to know at this stage. I think no one's really committing. Um, so I'm pretty involved with with an organisation called uh, Melanoma and Skin Cancer Trials, which is the national cooperative uh, group in uh, melanoma and skin cancer clinical trials uh, nationally, and. So we've got a conference that we're organising uh, around UV melanoma. It's slated for May. It's going to be a national conference with uh, we, we think fairly, fairly, fairly substantial international engagement. At the moment, we're you know looking at options for that, but you know, probably most likely that's going to be a hybrid format. I think, um, and possibly even might end up being one hundred percent virtual still. Um, I mean, the other big. Event on the on, on the national melanoma landscape um, is, is is the Australian Melanoma Conference, which had to be cancelled in twenty twenty. But it's hopefully going to be present, uh, hopefully going to be occurring up in Sydney uh, later in the year. And we certainly hope that that will be a full face to face meeting. Um, but I think it's sort of too early to tell. I think at the end of the day, as, as a conference organizer at the moment, you you really got a plan for all options. So you know, we all kind of prefer to get together face to face because it provides for I think far more. Dynamic uh, and 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 productive interactions between registrants, but you know the truth is um, we uh, a, as you plan for face to face, you've also got to also plan to have a substantial virtual component of the program, certainly to enable international uh, speakers to dial in, because I just don't think any time this year we're going to be uh, in uh, you know uh, that we're going to be having or uh, able to invite uh, international speakers to our conferences locally here. Uh, in australia but critically you need to have a lot of flexibility as you move close to the meeting i mean we kind of you know fluctuated from face to face to fully virtual and then a hybrid format but uh for, for the lawn meeting this year but then you know suddenly halfway through the meeting we had to switch to fully virtual so you've just got to be really well prepared and have lots of contingency plans uh put in place and that's sort of how i feel about my own plans for attendance of conferences this year i'll go to as many at least national face-to-face meetings uh, as i'm able to but i'm you know well prepared for the likelihood that i'll have to be just dialing in virtually um, as we might all have to do for some time
0: professor Shackleton, thank you so much
1: great felicity thanks for your time
0: Listening to the Oncology Republic podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or read more on our website oncologyrepublic.com.au.